0: Well, welcome to this edition of the IFS Zooms In. I'm Paul Johnson, and this week I'm joined by my colleague Jack Britton to talk about what's happening... In universities are not uh, talking about the extent to which students are being locked down or the extent to which uh, it may or may not have been right to allow them to travel around the country uh, at this particular moment, but rather what's been happening to the numbers of students uh, turning up at universities and what might be happening to university finances and whether uh, the current crisis might change our view about the role uh, of universities going forwards. But Jack, why don't we start just by um, going through what we know about what's happened to the number of students turning up at university this year? Because I think it's fair to say that with the A-level debacle and uncertainty about what kind of experience students might get, there was quite a lot of uncertainty about whether we'd have an upsurge or a big downsurge in the numbers actually attending. Hi Paul, yeah
1: absolutely, There there was a huge
0: amount of uncertainty and there was
1: great panic across universities throughout uh, the the spring really worrying about um about whether they're going to get enough students turning up and i should say that there's still a lot of uncertainty about this um, because a lot of the numbers aren't aren't quite finalized yet but the latest uh numbers that have been published by UCAS do suggest that things are looking a lot rosier than we thought they might have done particularly back in the spring um both in terms of domestic student numbers and in terms of international student numbers So the domestic student numbers seem to be up about four percent since last year and international student numbers appear to be up about nearly 10 percent compared to last year Um, but that i say appear to be because um, these are these are not quite confirmed places yet there's still quite a lot of uncertainty around whether people will actually turn up and stay Um, there's a kind of two-week cooling off period usually at universities for example um, and also, the international student numbers in there are only based on the subset of international students who go through UCAS. So, there's actually quite a lot of international students going to university through other ways. But, um, but yeah, broadly speaking, things are looking a lot rosier now than they than perhaps they might have done a few months ago.
0: And I suppose that's uh, for the domestic undergraduates. That will in part be down to the uh, the final outcome of the A level marking debacle. Uh, which um, saw a big increase in uh, attainment, or at least measured attainment, because all the students got their predicted um, grades. Uh, I mean, that presumably um, means that particularly those universities demanding the highest grades will have seen the biggest increase in numbers? That's, r- that's right. The A-level scenario meant
1: that um, there were lots more people getting the grades that... Um, that they were predicted, um, and indeed lots of people doing better than they were predicted, which meant that unusually large numbers of people were achieving their first choice offers at university. Um, That, combined with the government's decision to remove student number caps, um, meant that the top universities were uh, filling up a lot more of their spots with people who are now hitting their grades. The worry, of course, was then that that would mean that all of the lower ranked universities would lose students but it seems that those universities have been able to dip into the pool of people who were not otherwise going to go to universities and it seems that um, certainly for domestic students that they haven't re- uh, experienced massive student number drops um, which which means overall that the share of people going to university is bigger this year.
0: That's quite a remarkable change I mean that comes obviously off the back of uh, you know, many years of increases in numbers going to university. You've got another increase this year when I think we've got actually a relatively smaller cohort, which I think is one of the things that was worrying uh, universities. That presumably means uh, that particularly in those uh, less selective universities, there's going to be quite a lot of young people who have got relatively low academic achievement before going on to university. I think that's almost certainly true. I'd, we don't know for
1: sure what what the kind of grade distribution is for the people being admitted because the data are just so fresh, and we don't, and, and they don't break things down by that kind of uh, level of detail. But but I think that's 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 got to be the case. It's got to be kind of less than usually uh, qualified people going to university on average, um, which which could certainly have implications for whether or not they're going to be able to cope. Um, with their degrees Um, that's particularly true given that they've missed so much (laughs) missed so much education of last year so uh, you know as I talked about last time I was on the pod um, you know there was a there's a long period where people should have been revising for their A levels when they just um, perhaps weren't doing anything so um, so yeah it's kind of doubly true that 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 people might be less prepared this year for university than they would uh, in normal years
0: uh, and what do we know about? I mean, you've done lots of work on the uh, returns to going to university, on the value of having a degree. What, what do we know about the value of a degree to people who go to university whose prior attainment um, at GCSE and A level was not terribly good?
1: Yeah, so we've we've done some work looking at uh, looking at returns to, to degrees in the UK, we found um, we found that um, there is quite a lot of variation by by where people go and by their prior attainment. So in general, the the top universities have higher returns um, than the lower ranked universities. And it's also the case that that people with lower prior attainment generally have lower returns to university. However, evidence internationally has suggested um, some other stories like um, the returns to students at the margin of going to university or not are actually really high. And we, we didn't really find that in the UK, but um, evidence from the US has certainly suggested that. So there is possibility that um, that there are lots of people who, on being drawn into university, would experience very large returns from it. But uh, the evidence from our work isn't quite so positive about that.
0: And um, you, you do know from your work that there are quite a lot of... Um those graduating from universities who go on to earn really not terribly much in the future and indeed I think some of your work has suggested that there are certainly in the first 10 years after graduation there are reasonable numbers particularly of male graduates who appear it appears as if they'd have done better not to go to university at all in terms of their earnings at least yeah that that is
1: true we've we found by the age thirty um, quite large shares of of uh, young men were actually earning less than they pr- would have been projected to earn otherwise um, but uh, that really depends a lot on on where they're going and what they're doing um, you know a lot of that story was certain subsets of subjects that people were choosing in particular uh, things like the creative arts where we see really uh pretty consistently negative returns across the board for for men
0: so if um so if what's happened this year is that we've got lots of relatively low academically achieving young men going to less um less uh, selective universities and studying arts and humanities they they might not end up doing terribly well as a result
1: that could be true yes although it doesn't seem that the the subject uh, changes as reported from UCAS in student numbers um tell much of a story of a shift towards those kind of lower returning subjects. It's quite hard to tease out at the moment, but it doesn't seem like there's a particularly abnormal pattern in subject applications, with the exception of um, subjects allied allied to medicine, which is probably uh, people doing nursing, I think. Um, But otherwise, there isn't a really big change in the overall distribution of subject choices, it seems, this year. but yes, broadly speaking, I think the the story of lots of lots more people going to university with relatively low prior attainment, it's probably true that their returns are going to be lower. That's true, even in absence of labour market adverse labour market effects from
0: COVID itself. It's interesting what you say about increase in the numbers applying for subjects allied to medicine. That's um, uh, quite striking given um, uh, what's been happening. Recently, I guess that could be either um, to do with the fact that uh, public sector jobs now look more secure, or to do with a um, desire to, to help in a in a world in which medicine looks much more important.
1: Yeah, I'm not actually sure what the the driver of that increase is. It could be uh, it could also just be an increase in supply. So um, there's there's excess demand in normal times for, for places on those courses. And um, I think it's possible that uh, the government's expanded those spaces this year. Uh, oh,
0: I see. Yes, it's um, and then, then probably no bad thing given the demands that are likely to be there on the health service um, going forward. I mean, one of the things that is, of course, terribly striking about, um, about the UK in general, in England in particular, is the very high fraction of young people who go on to university. And we're seeing more going um this year i mean what what do we know about in normal times at least about the um choices that they're they're not making or or perhaps another way of putting it is the lack of um, choice that is available to young people who don't want to go on to university
1: yeah i think that's that's the really stark thing about um about the uk So. The, the route into higher education is just so, so dominant uh, for people staying in education beyond age 18. Uh, it seems that almost everybody either leaves or goes to university and there's a, only a very small number of people um, are taking alternative routes uh, through education beyond age 18. Um, you know, we we put out a recent uh, piece of work with with colleagues at SEVA uh, looking into these alternative routes. And I think the most most stark result from that is just the, the very small numbers of people uh, following those paths um, but it does seem that those paths seem to um, result in relatively good labour market outcomes for the people who are doing them albeit a very small subset.
0: So I, th- I mean, fr- from recollection I think there are something like uh, among people who do A-levels or equivalent there are something like 16 of them will go on to university for every one who goes on to do some other uh, education uh, above a level standard i mean that's that's remarkable so 16 for everyone who goes on to do for example a higher level uh, vocational qualification yeah that's right
1: i mean it, it's that is a very dramatically different number um and yeah by comparison with other other european countries for example that's that's a very large ratio going to higher education and there are Very obvious questions there about whether our distribution of uh, the paths young people are taking um, is the is the right one.
0: And I suppose one of the uh, the worries for young people going through university today then is that there's even more of them going through. Um, There must be risks then uh, for what their earnings are going to be um, later on. We've already seen, as you said, that there are quite a number who don't earn terribly much even now um, are we taking an even bigger risk with the future in terms of the likely earnings of graduates yeah I mean I, I think it's it's
1: plausible that um, that a lot that the kind of graduate premium as it's called would would be affected by by large increases in the number of graduates and um, you know to an extent I think that that's an important thing to worry about but it's also worth thinking, you know what are the outside options to people as it stands you know are they doing something now by going to university that's really inhibiting them or or are they, or, or are they doing something that's actually probably quite a useful uh yeah. endeavor during a time when there's not many um, alternative things on the table so yes maybe it would result in a lower graduate premium on average um because more people are going but um that doesn't necessarily mean it's not the right thing for to be happening this year.
0: Yeah, that's a crucial point, isn't it? I mean, um, the, the options if you don't go to university at the moment are very limited. We know that the number of openings for young people, vacancies, is very, very, uh, very, very limited uh, indeed. I mean, one thing that um, a, a number of students uh, are clearly thinking about, given the experience they're having at the moment, is questioning whether they should be paying the full £9,250 a year of fees given that they're not getting the normal student experience a lot of or pretty much all lectures uh, are online and we've seen lots in the news about some of them being locked down in their accommodation is this a good moment for rethinking whether we should be charging fees in the way that we do
1: well i mean there's a bigger question of should we be charging fees in the way we do and there's a sort of more relevant current question of where is it fair to be charging fees uh of this size to, to people when they're not getting the full university experience. I think they're two they're two separate questions. Um, on the second of them, on whether they should be paying these full fees, I think students have got a very reasonable case that, that they're not getting the experience that they signed up to um, by getting locked into their student halls and not being able to see any lecturers or uh, hang out with their friends or do any clubs or societies or anything like that, all of which I think is really important. Um, but I would say that you know, fee cuts, while they might sound quite good, um, they don't actually benefit that many people because of the way the, the student loan system works. You know, if you were if you were to knock off, say, a couple of thousand pounds from the first year fees for everybody, that wouldn't really make a dent into their lifetime student loan repayments because people are graduating with such large debts anyway. They don't tend to repay them. So it's only really the people who earn so much that they are able to fully repay their student loans that are the people that are affected by any fee cuts. So while it might might cut your headline debt from 50,000 to 47,000 or something like that, it's not actually going to make much of a dent in your lifetime earnings.
0: Yeah, because most people don't pay back, uh, uh, the, the large majority don't pay back their full loans. Actually reducing the loans makes almost no difference to those who don't go on to earn significant sums and helps a little bit those who do earn a lot. I mean, maybe the other thing then to think about um, uh, is whether students should be being charged quite so much for their accommodation and and living costs, which is actually one of the biggest uh, challenges facing a lot of um, undergraduates. But of course, that's also an important part of university's income. That's
1: right. That's right. I mean, accommodation Accounts for roughly two percent of of universities' income, so it's not a huge, uh, hugely important thing. Of, of course, accommodation uh, uh, rent for students also contributes to lots of other uh, people's incomes, but um, but for universities, it's a relatively small thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, I suppose on one hand, the government should be thinking about helping students with this, but on the other hand, what costs are students facing over and above what they usually face um, in normal time? I mean, is there, a, is there a sort of fundamental problem in the amount of maintenance support government is, fi- is providing for students? Or is it something special about this year that means that students are facing higher costs? Um, I'm not sure that the second
0: thing is true. Yeah, they might not be facing higher costs, but they, um, they're, they're certainly <laughs> getting less benefit from it, but there's a, there's a bigger issue, isn't there, for for, for government that um, this whole uh, crisis is actually going to result in them in a rather unplanned way spending quite a lot more on um, higher education, isn't it? Both upfront and in the long run. Yeah, that's right. So the the increase
1: in student numbers is certainly um, a direct upfront cost to the government because they now have to. Pay their tuition fees to the universities because that's how the student loan system works. If if you sign up to go to university, the government then effectively sends your tuition fees to the to the university, and then you owe the government for that fee. Um, so yes, upfront spending will be up, probably about um, eight hundred million or so um, for the twenty twenty cohort um, because of increased student numbers. Um, they will of course get some of those back because. these students will repay some of those tuition fee loans, um, but there's still a kind of increased longer run cost from all these extra students going. Um, But there's also the fact that labour markets are going to be worse um, moving forwards, which is going to seriously dampen student loan repayments, which will be an additional cost to government from uh, from funding higher education.
0: And that's something I think people don't quite um, take into account because the sense is that we've got this big loan system uh, that students pay uh, for all of higher education, but the reality is that uh, about half of it is paid in the end by the taxpayer, and that num- level and probably proportion as well will grow um, as the number of students grows and as uh, and as earnings maybe fall relative to where they might have been in the future. Uh, But there are also um, issues aren't there for university um, finances, whilst the number of um, students going into university, as we've discussed, um, if anything has gone uh, up, um, there are other things that universities uh, uh, worry about in terms of their incomes and costs at the moment, aren't there?
1: Yeah, there are. I mean, I I think the biggest uh, outstanding issue for universities right now is the state of uh, their... The pension deficits. So, um, prior to the prior to the COVID crisis, um, pension deficits looked pretty bad, um, and now they look pretty desperately bad. I think is a is a kind of basic summary of the situation. So, um, previously there was a a deficit of around eight billion pounds, um, and that's probably increased by at least ten billion pounds. Um, maybe even up to £15 billion pounds over the last six months. So um, basically the, go- the pension schemes owe more than they're um, able to pay back uh, or than they're promising to pay in pensions.
0: Uh, and just one final um, question. I mean, The Prime Minister has announced today that he wants to make um, uh, free tuition and training available to people who wouldn't normally or don't go to university, those who have only got GCSE level qualifications as a way of um, uh, ensuring that people have something useful to do over this period when they might not be able to get a job. Uh, are universities in any sense in a position to help out on that? Or is this something that um, that they're really uh, not in a position to play a part in?
1: I mean, in theory, they should be in a position to play a part in it. I think that... Um you know, in a lot of cases they're they're dealing with their <laughs> dealing with their own challenges um and are not not necessarily um able to be thinking about these kind of issues right now um and I think that these kind of schemes were aimed at f e providers so further education providers rather than universities but I think in principle that there is scope to bring in the higher education sector into this kind of um into this kind of scheme. <laughs>
0: and and indeed maybe it's something that um, certainly some universities ought to be thinking about harder in terms of their role uh, within the communities that they're set into the longer run we don't know quite how the education uh, how the education system is going to develop over the next few years and the extent to which it's going to be affected by what we're seeing at the moment but the change in the kinds of demand the change in the sorts of uh, teaching that's uh, happening the change in the student experience one might expect uh, to result in some kind of shake-up actually in the way that the higher and further education sectors work uh, and work together um, but I think we are coming to the end of this uh, this episode I think we've learned, an awful lot actually over the last few months about what's happening in the university system. There hasn't been the uh, fall in student numbers, or there doesn't appear to have been the fall in student numbers that people were fearing, although that still may come to pass, particularly uh, when it comes to international students. We've clearly had an increase actually in domestic undergraduates coming to university, and in particular, uh, those with lower prior academic achievement. That's perhaps not surprising given the lack of alternatives available particularly at the moment but we're going to have to be very careful that that doesn't result in a lot of disappointed graduates uh, in a few years time when they end up finding it difficult to get well-paid work as indeed uh, some recent cohorts of graduates have found it difficult to do even despite all of that and the extra students uh, universities are by no means out of the woods clearly um, a lot of students are not having the experience they would have liked and expected there are clearly challenges about delivering some of the education uh, that they're going there for and there are also financial problems affecting universities from elsewhere Uh, and in particular this increase uh, in future pension or in current pension costs to pay future pensions of the higher education workforce and that's something that we see elsewhere uh, in the funded sector including actually in local government so lots to lots to chew on there Um, Thanks very much uh, to you for that, Jack. Um, If you enjoyed this episode, please hit subscribe and rate us. And you can always stay on top of our latest work by visiting www.ifs.org.uk. Stay well, and we look forward to speaking to you again soon.